Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Old Time Radio Westerns. I'm your host, Andrew Rines. And let's get into this episode. This episode is going to be Frontier Gentlemen. Original air date is April 13th, 1958, and the title is The Trial. Hope you enjoy, and again, thanks for listening. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Instacart shoppers know groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock-hard avocados. They know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find. And they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart. I'll in Fort Benton, Montana Territory... To say that it was unusual is putting it mildly. Dear gentlemen, herewith an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual stories. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the new territories. Now, starring John Daner, this is the story of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentleman.
Nothing had changed in Fort Benton since I'd left it five weeks earlier, except perhaps for one thing. It was spring now. You could feel it in the streets, smell it in the sun-warm air. I walked up to the little building that housed the Fort Benton Dispatch, a newspaper run by John Warren, whom I had met during my last visit. Outside, a group of men were standing about, peering through the windows. I thought that they looked at me rather strangely when I went inside, and it only took a moment to see why. The newspaper editor, Mr. Warren, sat, pale-faced, looking at a rather fierce individual who stood a few feet away from him, wearing two pistols and cradling a shotgun in his arms. Mr. Kendall. Well, how are you, Mr. Warren? Um, am I interrupting? No, no. Uh, sit down. This is George McCune, J.B. Kendall. Howdy. Mr. McCune? That's right. What are you, a deputy or something? No. Mr. Kendall's a newspaper man, writes for the London Times. Oh, is that right? Well, what do you say, Warren? Well, it's the way I told you. I, I'm not a lawyer. I might do you more harm than good. You're going to be like the mothers, huh? It's not that, but Clint Wallace is a smart man. He knows the law. That there Wallace is a no-good son of a gun. If and he tries any of them smart lawyer tricks on me, I'm going to salivate him right through his fat gizzard. Wallace is prosecuting McCune for the murder of Jack Furlong. Uh, oh, I see. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you something right here now. I didn't shoot that lily-livered cutback of a ruptured hog, no how. Not that I ain't saying whoever done oughtn't to get a medal. I'm inclined to believe him, Kendall. The trouble is, there's not a lawyer in town to take his case. Now, I'm willing to face up to what them furlongs says I done if I get a fair trial. But I've seen what that outlawyer Wallace can do with his fancy twisting words. You know, he got me hung right now. Uh, do you mind my asking, uh, haven't you been arrested? Well, sure, I've been arrested. How come you think I'm still in Benton? I mean, isn't it usual for a suspect to be in jail? Look, ain't nobody gonna put me in the calaboose. Especially for something I ain't done, not know how. Ain't a man in Benton big enough to try it. Why do they suspect you? Why? Well, I'll tell you why. Because that eyeballer Buck Furlong, him and that cow crib wife of his, they got it in for me ever since I whooped Buck's brother Jack in a poker game. That's why I cleaned him out. And he swore he'd get even with me. The whole blame family's been going around Benton saying I gouged Jack in the game. Me, gal, you, I ain't never cheated in cards all my born days. Well, do they have any proof, I mean, that, that it was you? They ain't got nothing. There's a mule skinner in town, Ike Dawlish. He, he says he saw McCune arguing with Jack Furlong a few minutes before the shooting. That fella Dawlish, he herded one band of sheep too many. You know, that fella's plumb loco. Everybody around here knows that. Except they take his word because they got it in for me. Shucks, I was up to the other end of town sleeping off a belly full of pop skull when it happened. Anybody see you? Well, if they did, they ain't coming up to say so. Mm. When did it happen, the shooting? Well, it was about two nights back. First I heard of it was the next morning that Marshal O'Connor, he come up to me, he says, McCune, I got to arrest you for the murder of Jack Furlong. Well, sir, I says to him, Marshal, I hear tell you like to talk a windy. Don't you try it on me this morning because I got a head on me that's giving me the orc orcs. Well, sir, he comes back at me and he says, I ain't lying, McCune. You've been identified as a murderer. You'll have to come down to jail with me. And I says, you must be seeing black, O'Connor. If you think I'm going to do any such thing and you try and draw on me, I'll be happy to swap shots with you. <laughs> but I ain't going to pull freight out of here if that's what's worrying you. 
I'm an innocent man, and you're going to have to prove me otherwise. The trouble is, like I keep telling you, McCune, you're the one who's going to have to prove otherwise. They've got the witness. Oh, well, why can't you get a lawyer to defend you, Mr. McCune? Well, so now I'll tell you why. Because that there Buck Furlong's wife, Maggie, is Barry's daughter, that's why. And that Barry's the justice of the peace, and there ain't no lawyer with stuffings enough to stand up again at old whistling britches. Ah, uh, that does make it rather awkward. You know something? It ain't right nor fitting in these times that a man can be telling the truth and no one believe him. Now, look, Warren, you ain't afeard of that, Barry, are you? You know I'm not. Well, then I'll pay you a hundred and silver if you talk for me. I'd like to, McCune, but... All right. All right. You don't have to say no more. I'm walking me up to the trial house, and I'm going in and let them say what they want, and then I'm walking out, and the first man tries to stop me is going to get lead poison. Well, what do you want, O'Connor? Uh, George McHugh is marshal of this here town, and authority vested in me. O'Connor, come on, talk horse. What you want? I got to take you down for the trial, McHugh. I'm asking you polite-like to give up your gun. I'm going to go with you, O'Connor, because you got a duty. But if you think I'm giving up my sixers of this here goose gun, you don't know no more than a mule-eared rabbit. Now, let's rattle hawks out of here. <sighs> you know, I feel sorry for him, but I'm glad to see him out of here. He's been with me for better than two hours, Kendall. Yes, I can see where he could be quite persuasive. You know, I wasn't kidding. If I'd have thought I could help him, I would. But I'm no good at public speaking and never was. Break out all of a sweat. He'll do better alone. Who is he? Well, McCune, he used to be an Indian scout with Crook. Hadn't been able to forget his ways. He's a tough man and likes folks to know it. That's why even if he didn't kill Furlong, most everybody figures he did. The jury will, too. You don't think so? No. No, he wouldn't have stayed around for the trial if he had. Besides, he wouldn't have killed a man like Jack Furlong. He'd have got more fun out of stomping his head in. I knew Furlong, his scroungy little toad, always fooling around with women. Somebody else's if he could. What'll happen if the jury finds McCune guilty? I don't know. It'll be trouble, though. Uh, it seems a bit unfair, doesn't it? Well, sure it is. But what are you going to do? You know, as an outsider, I might be able to defend McCune. Do you know anything about the law? Well, I know some pretty important words. That might help, and I have a feeling that McCune's telling the truth. I don't know about old Dad Barry, though. If he doesn't admit you to court, there's nothing you can do. I think he will. Let's go and talk to McCune. When we arrived at this saloon, it was already half full. The accused man was sitting in a small storeroom, drinking a glass of beer, his... His guns still very much in evidence. Marshal O'Connor stood in the entranceway, trying to appear as though he were guarding his prisoner, although he seemed extremely nervous and was obviously unhappy with his job. He didn't want us to talk to McHugh. I'm sorry, Mr. Warren. I, I can't let either of you gentlemen in to see him. We're his legal counsel, O'Connor. O'Connor, you let him pass by or I'm going to come out. You said you ain't got no lawyer, McHugh. He's got one now. Don't give me no trouble, O'Connor. I ain't in the mood. All right, close the door, O'Connor. Well, I see you changed your mind, Warren. I'm real grateful to you. It's not me, McCune. It's Mr. Kendall. He's going to talk for you. How come? I heard what you had to say. I think there's a good chance you're innocent. Are you a lawyer? 
No, no, but I know something about law. Probably as much as Mr. Warren. Uh-huh. Uh, how much you figure on getting paid? Well, if we win, what you would have paid Warren. If we lose, no. It won't matter. Yeah. All right. All right, you got yourself a deal. But I want to tell you something, Kendall. If they call me guilty, you better duck, because it's going to be the ding-dangest shoot-up you ever saw in Benton. In a moment, we return to Frontier Gentlemen. A diller, a dollar. Here's a real chiller diller history scholar. Follow yours truly, Johnny Dollar, later today on CBS Radio. There's action-packed drama as Johnny Dollar, a suave insurance investigator, covers the globe with his expense account to track down frauds and schemers. Every Sunday, yours truly, Johnny Dollar, meets mystery, romance, thrills, and mayhem. So be sure you meet up with Johnny Dollar on most of these same stations for high-keyed excitement right here on CBS Radio. Now we return you to the Anthony Ellis production of Frontier Gentlemen. At one o'clock, the saloon courtroom was full. The judicial bench was the counter and whiskey barrels set up on end in front of it served as the legal bar. Twelve good men and true sat at tables placed to the side in a row. They were highly conscious of their importance to the community, and only four were taking advantage of the convenience of whiskey close at hand. Windows and doors stood open for the comfort of those inside who might feel the spring warmth, and for the accommodation of those crowded outside, unable to obtain even standing room. At one o'clock, court was called to order. The clerk hammering on the bar with the butt of his pistol. We got a case coming up in this here courtroom on account of George McCune, Bushwhack Jack Furlong, and he's going to get tried for it. All right, everybody get up in the cloud knocker, because here's his honor, Dad Bear, who's the judge in this here murder. All right, everybody's set. <coughs> Court's in session, and I aim to state this ain't going to be no box social, so don't nobody forget it. Clint Wallace. Uh, right here, Your Honor. You ready to prosecute? I'm ready, Your Honor. How about the defense? <clears throat> the defense is ready. Who are you? J.B. Kendall. I've been retained as barrister to plead the case for my client, George McCune. You one of them traveling lawyers? Uh, no, sir. You got papers allowing you to talk in the territory of Montana? No, sir. Then sit down. Well, I submit, Your Honor, that Mr. McCune has a right to be heard and is within those rights to call whomsoever he chooses to speak for him. He has chosen me. A, uh, a, a prima facie rule of law. <clears throat> Phipps versus Mahoney, Nougat, um, 1803. <clears throat> What's he talking about, Clausen? Well, it sounds like law talk to me, Your Honor. Uh, give me that legal book. Uh, let's see here. 
Well, I ain't gonna hold up this trial whittle-wanging with you, mister. Ipso facto. So don't go trying any jackleg stuff with me or by ziggity. I'll find you for contempt of this here judicial court. You savvy? Bring in the prisoner. I'll bring in George McHugh. Ain't nobody bringing me in. I'll bring him own self. My shoes. This hombre's on trial for murder. What's she doing with them shooting irons and the shotgun? Uh, McCune, you better give me them guns. I ain't giving you nothing. <laughs> Marshal, you is Marshal. Do you hear what I say? Take them weapons off of him. Hey, Yana. Now, I got a big respect for things legal. That's how come I'm here. But if anybody tries to take my sixes, there's going to be a mess of trouble. These here weapons is to protect myself. Marshal, I'm telling you. Hey, Dad, you want them guns, you go get them yourself. <laughs> what are you objecting about, Clint? Ain't your court? I'll get on to the trial. <clears throat> Our gentlemen in the jury, we're going to prove that George McCune did with malice and plain ornery cussedness. Killed poor old Jack Furlong on Thursday last at 9.30 o'clock. The way she's carrying on, you'd think she was married to Jack instead of Buck. We will prove that the killer McCune did Objection. Take... What's the objection, mister? The learned counsel refers to my client as a killer. This has yet to be proved in trial. Ain't no call to object. Go ahead, Clint. <coughs> the killer, McCune, did take a forty-five and blew two holes in said deceased Jack Furlong. It killed him. We got witnesses to say how it happened. <coughs> That's all, Your Honor. All right. Hey, you. What's your name? Kendall. Yeah. Well, go on and make your speech. Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, gentlemen of the jury, I shall not take up your time with a verbose statement. <coughs> I will only say that when the trial is at an end, you, the peers of George McCune, will send him from this courtroom a free man, exonerated of any complicity in this crime. Clint, call the first witness. I call Buck Furlong, the dead man's poor brother, to the stand. You uh, swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, so I help you? Sure. Well, tell what your name is, Buck. Gosh, you know my name, Slauson. Now, Buck, this here's a court of law. You gotta do things right. State your name. Buck Furlong. Oh, uh, Mr. Furlong, I'd be obliged if you'd tell the court just what happened on Thursday night. Sure, Clint. Like everybody knows, that no count McCune shot my brother Jack. I, I object. You shut up, mister. It ain't your turn yet. Go ahead, Buck. Jack said he was coming down here to your place, Dad, for a shot of whiskey. And that sidewinder McCune dried off. Listen, you flea-bit mule himself. McCune, I'm fining you $20 for pulling the gun in this here court. That is contempt. No more questions, Your Honor. Cross-examination. Go on. <coughs> Mr. Furlong, you... You say that McCune killed your brother? He sure did. How do you know that? Everybody knows I it. I didn't ask that. How do you know? Because he's the only one could have done. Ike Dawlish seen him do it. And Mr. Dawlish told you. Well, sure. Ain't that right, Dad? 
That's right, Buck. <coughs> Told me, too. You have no other proof? I didn't need none. That's all, Mr. Furlong. Thank you. Next witness. There were ten more witnesses after that, all proclaiming Jack Furlong's good name and damning McCune's. The trial was momentarily interrupted when two deer were spotted frolicking in a meadow a hundred yards from the courtroom. There was a wild dash to the windows in order to obtain a better view. When order was restored, one of the execution's most important witnesses was called, Mrs. Buck Furlong. Now, <laughs> oh, Maggie, there ain't a soul here don't understand how you felt about your brother-in-law. It's the truth, the holy truth. <laughs> now, you tell the court what you know about the murder. Well, well, that highbinder McCune, it wasn't enough he cheated our poor Jack out of his money, which everyone in Benton knows. He hated him because his conscience wouldn't let him sleep. Haunted him like. So what I figure is when poor Jack went down to get himself a drop of whiskey for his poor tooth, which was ailing him something terrible, he run into McCune and him being a drunken skunk. McCune couldn't stand a face up to him, so he shot him up. <laughs> That's how it happened, Pa, Your Honor. You just ask Ike Dollish, he'll tell you. Poor Jack, dead. Poor no more questions, Your Honor. <laughs> Mrs. Furlong. And you, uh, mister, you ought to be ashamed defending a suck egg coyote like that. Ain't nobody! Man, no woman called you! Now, Your Honor, I feel that my client is showing admirable control under the circumstances. You got more questions asked, mister? <clears throat> Mrs. Furlong, you were very fond of your brother-in-law, were you not? A sweet honey boy he was. Yes, I am sure this must be very painful. But aside from what you were told, you have absolutely no proof that George McCune shot Jack Furlong. Oh! Mrs. Furlong, that's all. Order! 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 Well, sir, don't seem to me like there's much sense going on with this here trial. From what I've heard, McCune's as good as hung right now. Oh, Your Honor! You objecting again, mister? Well, the prosecution hasn't called the eyewitness. Oh, that's a waste of time, you ask me. All right, Clint, call your next witness. I call Ike Dawlish, the man who saw the killing done. Now, you swear to tell the whole truth, Dawlish? Yes, sir, I surely do swear. Uh, your name is Ike Dawlish? Oh, yes. Where was you on Thursday night at 9.30? Well, like I told you, Mr. Wallace, I was coming along the street outside this saloon. When I got to the corner, there was George McCune shooting up poor old Jack Furlong. <laughs> then, then he turns and sees me and takes off out of there like a snake-eyed swishtail. I walk over to Jack, and he's lying there feeling mighty poorly. And I come in here and tell old Dad Barry, and he goes out and sees what happened. That's all. 
And you swear it was George McEwen done the shooting? Oh, I swear, I surely swear. He's plumb local. Shut your mouth, McEwen, or I'll find you for contempt. I'm all through, Your Honor. You got any questions, Kendall? Yes, a few. Now, what time was it when you saw the shooting, Mr. Dawlish? 9.30 o'clock. It was dark? Surely was. How close were you to McEwen? Well, fairish way, maybe to where Mr. Wallace is sitting. Uh, 20 feet, and you recognized McCune in the dark from 20 feet away? Oh, not in the dark, when he come out in the light. Ah, in the light, and you had a good look at his face? Good enough. You saw his face? Well, kinda, but I seen McCune around, I know what he looks like without seeing his whole face. How was he dressed? Like he is now. I got a good memory. Them same gray pants. Hey, what's that? Uh, go on. Gray pants. Kind of a black jacket and gray shirt. Black stetson, too, like in his hand. Exactly the same clothes as he wore the night before last, eh? The same. McCune. McCune, will you describe for Mr. Dawlish what you are wearing? I got on black pants, blue jacket, blue shirt, gray stetson. Same as I always wear. Mr. Dawlish, what is the color of my jacket? Uh... Gray. You are colorblind, my friend. I don't think you saw Mr. McCune at all. I think you either saw someone else, or perhaps you shot Jack Furlong yourself and blamed it on McCune. Getting out of here. How did you know, Candle? <laughs> I didn't. Not until Dawlish made that slip about color. The rest was luck. You know, I feel kind of sorry for little Runt, even if he did blame it on me. Has he said why he did it? Oh, well, it seems Jack Furlong was rather romantically inclined toward Dawlish's wife. He knew Mr. McEwen would be the easiest person to blame for the shooting, and, well, that was that. Hey, and not that it makes no never mind, but listen to that Maggie Furlong. You figure maybe she and Jack was, uh... Romantically inclined? Hmm? I figure that Jack Furlong had a very bad case of spring fever. It killed him. Frontier Gentlemen was written, produced, and directed by Anthony Ellis and stars John Daner as J.B. Kendall. Featured in the cast were Jack Crucian, Harry Bartell, Joe Kearns, Will Wright, Jack Moyles, Jeanette Nolan, Vic Perrin, and Stacey Harris. Music was composed and conducted by Amerigo Marino. <laughs> Join us again next week for another report from the Frontier Gentlemen. John Wall speaking. This is the CBS Radio Network. This has been a presentation of otrwesterns.com, and we hope you enjoyed.
please take some time to like and rate our shows in your favorite podcast application. Follow us on Facebook by going to otrwesterns.com slash Facebook. Join in the conversation by going to otrwesterns.com slash Discord. And don't forget to send us an email, podcast at otrwesterns.com. This episode is copyright under the attribution, non-commercial, share-like copyright. For more information, go to otrwesterns.com slash copyright. Have a great day, and again, thanks for listening.